the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service Livestock Podcast. This podcast is designed to give producers up-to-date information on all things relating to livestock. It's been funded jointly through the Farm Advisory Service Animal Welfare Programme and also the Veterinary Advisory Service. So a big thanks to Scottish Government for their support. So I'm joined today by Tim Geraghty, who's one of our vets from the Aberdeen Vet Lab, and also by Karen Stewart, who's a nutritionist with SEC's livestock team. Uh, so Tim, what's happening in the vet labs? Is there anything interesting heading in your direction? Yeah, it's always interesting in the vet labs. Uh, unfortunately, we, we don't really want to be busy, but we want people to use us uh, when they need us. And I would say this is this is definitely our busiest time of year. Um, so we're, we're sort of in the, in the thick of spring. Um, it was January the last time we chatted with a, with a beef focus and we were talking then about it was kind of abortion season is our, is our phrase for it, unfortunately. And we've certainly moved through that, but we're into calving where we'll see spikes in stillbirth and young calf losses first week of life. Um, and we're probably just coming through that as well and moving into slightly older calf diseases and starting to think about some of the turnout diseases as and when we can, depending on what grass is like, which we'll come on to. Yeah, so, so that means pneumonia uh, uh, featuring uh, the, the typical causes of calf scour, so rotavirus, coronavirus, crypto, um, and with some of the earlier calving ones coming into the risk period for coccidiosis as well. Um, in terms of cows, we've got yonis is just always there. We, we see yonis diagnosis every single month, and it's often very close to the top of our list. So, so we, we know about yonis and keeping an eye on those cows that melt away after calving without without due cause, you know, good appetite, um, but but losing condition fast. We would, we would want to be thinking about yonis there. But also liver fluke, still seeing diagnosis of liver fluke uh, in animals that have carried that infection through the winter. Um, so that's the yeah that's the sort of headline things that we're looking at just now. Yeah, so a lot of the diseases we've, we've, diseases we've discussed, um, at, certainly in the past episodes, have been certainly preventable, and obviously there's a move for prevention's better than cure. So, is it worth saying anything about health planning and, and opportunities for health planning in the in the coming months? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm. I'm as you know, I'm a fan of health planning. I think it's a really important thing and and and, and a very valuable thing to do. I like to do it um, regularly through the year, so I don't see health planning as something that we do once a year and park it on the shelf and then and then not go back to it for a whole year. Um, that's a long time to wait. Um, so so rather, what we try and do is is a sort of a dynamic health planning approach where we would revisit our health plan several times through the season as we bring, if if we're thinking of beef cattle, as, as we bring our calf crop through to through toward weaning. So right now we're at a, a key point for if, if we take a spring calving herd anyway, we're at a key point between calving just finishing up or maybe finished and turning our attention into fertility and, and calf growth rates and, and getting cows back in calf, the next challenge. So two things to do on health planning. One is now's definitely the right time. Hopefully you've had a bit more sleep. We've sort of caught up with ourselves after lambing and calving. It's been very busy. Um, but sit down now and think about, right, what what went well? Fair enough, pat on the back for things that went well, but what didn't? Where were our problems this this year? What niggled us? What were, what were the issues? And 
we, we can't address many of them until next calving, but we can write them down now and make sure that we've got a good note of um, where we think our system might improve next year. So now is definitely the time to do that. So sort of a reflective bit on where were we for calving. And then let's start planning ahead now to getting cows back in calf. And I think we're going to talk about that more, especially on the on nutrition side tonight. Um, so getting cows back in calf um, and also hitting target growth rates. So calf survival and, and high growth rates now is, is where we should be at. So planning ahead and thinking about what conditions might stop us achieving that um, and and dealing with them as, as best as we can. Karen, I'm not sure what it's like where you are, but certainly where I am, it's not particularly grassy yet. It's been pretty cold and uh, certainly very dry. Um, what should we be considering when it comes to delayed turnout or, or uh, you know, the issues that a late spring can bring for, for suckler cows? Yeah, it's definitely been um, very cold and dry here, um, that's that's for sure. And I think it's just need, needing a lot of heat now, so not a lot of grass growth. Um, considerations for suckler cows, I mean, a, a lot of guys will have turned suckler cows out already simply because they've not had enough, um, you know, w- winter forage, you know, silage stocks and straw stocks are running low. Um, and however, with the dry weather, cows, you know, they do seem quite content, um, apart from today, which is absolutely and utterly miserable, but uh, good to have some rain. For, for grass growth but um, not having as much grass does perhaps mean that cows will be um, eating into um, the grass more heavily than they would be normally so uh, for, the, for the time of year um, the, the grass check GB um, uh, growth rates were about 20 kilograms of dry matter per hectare per day and that's below average for the time of year so a suckler cow needs about 12 kilograms of dry matter a day so where one hectare might be um, seen to one to two suckler cows at the moment you know later on when the grass growth does come that you know they might um, you know have five or six cows to the same acreage so it's just really important to sort of look at the grass at the moment and see um how they're getting through it. It should be roughly about six centimetres at the moment for lactating suckler cows. And when it does get below that, you're really nipping the grass so that it's not going to come back as quick either. So um, with it being so dry, it's really important not to overgraze swords as well. And I think if in doubt, feed them. Um, And coming up to bulling time, um, it's really important that they're on a a rising plane of nutrition. So, you know, if in doubt, give them some supplementary feed. Um, It'll cost you just now, but it'll not be as uh, costly in the long run. It's also, it's always a a tricky one when it comes to, you know, you've you've been short of silage all winter. So your plan is to make as much silage as you possibly can this this summer. But at this stage, you know, silage ground, is an opportunity for grazing you know it's a a quick graze of silage ground can be the thing that means that you know supply and demand are maybe nearer a matched rather than a a, a total undersupply of grass so certainly a be confident enough to to shut up your your silage ground a wee bit later than normal just to to try and get as much grass into those cows as possible yeah, it's a tricky thing to do because in the, you know, in, in, in farmers' mindsets, it'll be like we don't want to touch that silage ground. But uh, I agree, a, a quick, a quick skim over is better than leaving cattle with with nothing to eat. So, um, yeah. And, and as you say, when when the heat comes, you know, it's it's amazing what what grass the difference in that slow growth to to the the peak growth, which won't be, you know, if, maybe six weeks from now, we'll be up to a 
you know, full steam ahead. We'll, we'll never, we'll possibly never have seen grass growing like it. So, um, and and it's amazing how quickly things can change at this time of year. So, um, I yeah. think I think it's particularly important not to overgraze, though, because I mean, if you take that grass so low, I mean, it's going to take a few weeks to to recover and come back again. So, just. Yeah. Uh, you know, think about you know possibly you know feeding rather than overgrazing grass. Um, yeah, yeah. And again, the, the kind of challenge on that one is when you get some nice sweet spring grass coming and some old silage and things. It's it, you know I, I know what I'd be eating, um, but yeah. certainly there's a good role for concentrates into a diet and you know a couple of kilos of cobs can make a big difference into um, you know just to reduce that that demand on grass as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important as well just to, to keep an eye on the cows and calves too, because I mean, when they're, if it's cold at nights and, um, you know, particularly if we've got this wet, wet rain as we do today, but, um, you know, just if the weather's not quite right and they've not got enough to eat, it's, it can be really stressful on the cow. So, you know, it's a bit of a stagger's risk too, um, as well. Yeah. So staggers, Tim, are we, are we at more risk of staggers when we've got, you know, bad weather and a short supply of grass or is it a bigger risk once we get grass growing really really quickly uh, lots of lush yeah it's, it's, it's a good question actually and i, th- I think that the traditional thing would be it's the lush it's the lush rapidly going growing grass that's low in magnesium isn't it with with the with the high demand uh, feeding your calves so um but then, as, as Karen says, the, the other big risk factor for staggers is is the weather. Uh, that sudden cold, sharp shock, and 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 poor weather can can tip an animal that's on a borderline for magnesium into uh, you know an appetite for a short period of time, and, and they tip into clinical disease. Then, um, so I'm, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure which would be worse, but certainly it's not protective. I don't think I would go as far as to saying it's protective. And, and as I say, we, we've been seeing cases coming through the through the vet labs um through the vet labs this year already and, and and i think we just need to be be mindful of it and watchful watchful for it and um supplement where we can yeah, yeah. to try to try to to mitigate the risk it's probably one of the you know it's one of the worst losses you get isn't it when you've got you've done everything right through the winter you've got the cow to do the job that she's got to do she has a calf you get lots of colostrum into the calf like everything's going fine and then you put her out the door job done dead cow you know it's a real it's a real sickness for people um and certainly- yeah no there's there's yeah there's no no hiding from that and and leaves you with another problem with a calf that's half <laughs> that's half done as well isn't it it's just um it's far from ideal um and and listen you're going to get losses like that you can't you can't you can't avoid them all yeah. but 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 um but yeah anything anything we can do to reduce the risk of that happening is is obviously time and money time and money well spent yeah Yep. And they obviously they run up to bulling. So if we make the assumption that the majority of spring calvers will be kind of late February onwards, we're, we're really rapidly approaching that bulling period. Um, so, Karen, what about, you know, steaming these cows up and, and making sure we're in a rising plane of nutrition? What's what's the, the advice to people at this spring to, to make sure we get as many cows and calves as possible? 
Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, it's uh, I think we've we've yet to probably crack the, the exact recipe on on, on doing it, but uh, certainly we want to make sure they don't get into that spiraling cycle of um, you know mobilising their own energy reserves for a really prolonged period of time. So you know, for example, you know a suckler cow really needs about sixty kilograms of good quality grass a day to meet her energy requirements, and, and at the moment, you know, if cows are turned out on on quite short grass, they're they're really really barely going to be meeting that um, or anywhere near that. So maybe fine for a few weeks but uh, or a couple of weeks. But I think what I would encourage um, farmers to do is just really think about, you know, is this going on too long? Um, you know, it's easy to sit back and say, oh, it'll come, it'll come, it'll get better. But actually taking action now and maybe supplementing the cows um, just now to get those uh, energy, um, the energy into them, um, is is better than leaving it and then you know have the risk of them uh, delaying um, uh, coming into season. So, um, I think I think it'll be fine if you know forget the wet weather now and and the heat comes. But if it doesn't, then and it, it goes on for too long, I think that's when we need to really start thinking. You know, when the bulls go in or before the bulls go in, we need to make sure these cows are, are getting enough energy. Energy is, is critical for, for getting them back in calf. Yeah. It, it also seems to be across the board that, um, I mean, there will be exceptions to this, but most calvings have been pretty um, pretty quick. You know, there's been a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of cows calved in the first turn, uh, obviously based on a, a lovely dry spring, you know, plenty grass last spring meant that cows were in good condition and, and bulled up really well. And I, I, personally, I think that... that um, rest period we've had is going to bode pretty well for those cows you know they've had um a nice a you know they, they should be the bull should be going out and most of them should be cycling just hopefully we can get mm-hmm. enough energy into them to uh, to make sure that happens but uh, certainly mm-hmm. la- last year's bulling I, I think will help this year's bulling to an extent as well yeah. It's interesting because the grass, um, you know, I've got a, gra- a, a dry spell and, you know, so the grass that is there is actually drier. So for every mouthful they take, they're actually getting more into them. So, you know, if it was a wet spring where the, the grass was really wet and they were, you know, um, ha- having to try and graze in, in horrible weather, that's probably as detrimental. And, you know, you do often see that, you know, cows are quite content. Out, you know, if it's reasonably dry weather, they are quite content. So, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully not as bad as we're uh, <laughs> thinking it might be. Yeah. And it's also <laughs> remarkable for those that are, in, you know, not in an ideal position, maybe cows a wee bit leaner or, or uh, certainly lack yeah. of grass. The best quality feed you're going to get all year, all bar none, is coming. You know, it's just we're needing a wee yeah. bit of heat. It is coming and things, yeah. you know, it's amazing how quickly cows heal up and, and get going. So if you're, yeah. if you're not in the position you really want to be in, certainly speak to your nutritionist, speak to your vet, you know, have those discussions, but I, I think for most people, there's not a reason to panic. Yeah, I think though as well, just um, if they can, you know, can really concentrate on heifers with calves at foot. I think heifers and your second calvers as well really make sure that they are um, are getting what they need. You know, so some of the older cows and that are a bit more resilient. I think, but you know, if you're calving at two, even calving at three, I think heifers um, are, are really needing looked after. So if you know, yeah. if you're and if you're that, not wanting to spend too much money there. on them, I think. The heifers, <laughs> go for the heifers. That backs up the 
uh, you know, calving at two is quite straightforward, but calving again at three, so calving for the second time at three is quite tricky, yeah. and and being good yeah. to those second calvers is. Yeah. Even heifers calving at three, um, even a calf, you know, heifers calving at three do melt quite quick once they've had a calf, you know, and things if they, if they're not getting the right feed. So, uh, yeah, concentrate the heifers. Um, if if that's the only ones that you concentrate on, you know, look, look after them. So. Yeah, Tim, is there anything you want to add on kind of pre-bulling nutrition? Well, well, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't go there with Carden on the call, but um, yeah, I I <laughs> I, I, I agree with the. Uh, I agree. I agree with what, lots of what's being said, and and like we we start thinking about getting cows and calf. We're kind of at the very last stage of getting cows and calf, and and, and the you know the short term thinking should be about supplementary feed. Clearly, we, we mustn't forget the bull. You know, there's 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 still yeah. time, depending on when you're bulling. There's still time to get the bulls checked out. Um, you know, whether it's just a, a, a an MOT external MOT or, or a full semen analysis there is still time to do that and, and react to it uh, so so you know all, all the other things we can't just uh, forget about those other bits but I think a lot a lot of this you know we can ride out a period like this where it's not ideal and grass is short and it's you know not at the best time of year we, we want them on that rising plane but there's a there's so much work going into good fertility before this point so um having them in good condition through the winter last year you know at weaning time did we pull off the thin ones and, and feed them on in the early winter time we talked in the in in early early this year we talked about the importance of trying to scan for twins and feed appropriately for for those that were twins we've talked about picking up low-grade diseases like yonis and fluke and, and and getting on top of them um so there's an awful lot we can do with with good condition if, if, if we've lined all those things up and, and robert you mentioned how important is is calving pattern you know we, we inherit an awful lot from last year and i think you're right it's probably lots of people have had a nice quick calving this year but there'll be plenty of people that haven't um and you know, and and it's just a, a a sequential thing. We just needed to get marginally better each year if we can. So so there's lots and lots of things that happened a long time ago that have set us up for fertility. And um and if and if those things are lining up well, then the the cattle probably will come through this short term, you know, deficit reasonably well and still be in a very good chance to go get yep. in calf to that first turn at the bull. Yep. The, the flip side of that coin, unfortunately, is also true. If if we if we've 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 been carrying thin cows through the winter and not not addressed that early enough, if we're carrying low grade chronic diseases, fluke and yonis and others, um, if we've had lots of assisted calvings and maybe some you know uterine infections and, and infections still at whites and problems in the uterus, then you know this this grass shortage now can be the the straw that tips us the other way, and, and we do have a really poor poor fertility scan, but it's. Yeah, we could, I wouldn't put it all in one. It's it's not all about grass over the next three or four weeks. It's it's been a, it's, there's an awful lot more prep has gone into it, and if that prep's gone well, we can probably afford to, you know, to to, to ride this out. Uh, as you say, the grass will come eventually, and uh, and hopefully in good yeah. time. It's a resilience thing, isn't it? You know, the the issue we've got is that we do we don't have a lot of grass. The the cause of that is this time it's been cold and dry sometimes it's because it's really wet sometimes it's because it's hot and dry so you know those businesses that are well placed are, are resilient businesses are well placed to deal with all of those issues uh, this is this is obviously a very unique spring but it's not you know in the next few years we're going to get 
for some reason we're going to get a shortage of grass uh, or a, a change in a reason to change the system and, and I think if your system is really falling down just now really struggling it's probably a good time you know once we get turnout once we get things settled down it's it, it's a good time to have a real look at where your system's at and and why we've got to this position where we're we're really you know there's almost a, a welfare question at the moment um for some based on on grass supply you know we we can't really you know or we need to do everything we can to make sure we don't land up in that position again um yeah i th- i think i think no i think resilience is the word isn't it and and it's a buzzword and people talk about it and what does it really mean and i think it's quite nice to drill down to this pragmatic well what it means is that we can it's not an un, I mean it's a, it's it's a unique spring every spring's unique so this is of course it's a unique spring but there's no two the same it's not unique in being a hard spring it's 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 probably more often a difficult spring than an easy spring um so yeah resilience means that our system can ride through a a, a spring like this in in reasonably good order um with with the you know the, the the attention to detail needed that that Karen's referred to whether that's feeding or looking after first calvers or even maiden heifers remember they'll be a big part of next year's calving pattern um, so we can't take the eye, eye off them either um, so yeah t- attention to detail now but yeah there's 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 lots of work going in already to to set us up into a, hopefully a strong position yeah and Karen if if we're thinking about so we've discussed supplementary feeding adding more into the system. The feed prices I've I've been hearing in the last few weeks have been pretty scary for the summer, eh, with dairy cakes at three hundred and ten pounds a ton and above. Um, is there anything out there for you know for that that suckler cow? Um, is there anything out there that's a you know a good buy something that's worth considering just to top these cows up? Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on what area you're in as well of, of the country and, and what feeds are accessible. So, um, you know, for, for example, you know, there's there's plenty like potatoes about, for example, for, for feeding it grass. But I mean, if you're if you're away over in the waste, it's not going to be as easy to get them. Um, you know, they're, they're very cheap at the moment and, and very plentiful. So, you know, for, for topping up outside, that's an idea or even for putting potatoes in a silage pit. So if you've been um, having to graze silage ground or you think your silage ground's taking a real knock with the weather, you know, popping potatoes in the silage pit. Um, you know, might be an idea to, to bulk out um, next year's, uh, next winter's uh, forage supply. Um, I think, yeah, obviously it does depend on the area you're in and what you can get hold of. But, um, you know, ho- hopefully prices will will settle out a wee bit as the summer goes on. Um, unfortunately, it's not a lot we can we can sort of do about that. Um, but uh, yeah, just seeing see, see what you've got locally, I think it's worth it with a chat with your suppliers, whether it's draft from a local distillery or. Um, yeah, tatties. Yeah, but the, the message. Not, not yeah, it's, it's difficult if you're in the islands or you know, or some you know, up in the north or whatever, and you can't get potatoes and these sort of things. So it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. And the, the message is that you know, even though it appears to be dear, you know, probably you know, a few kilos goes a long way, and um, it, in the long run, it won't be that expensive, and uh, or it's, it might be dear or not to feed them. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I think just looking out for the signs that the stock are, you know, they're, you know, if they're a bit distressed or they're, you know, not looking their best or, you know, all standing at the gate roaring and things, it's not, you know, it's, uh, yeah, a, a couple of kilos is, is probably not going to go go wrong. Um, 
it's obviously not all about the suckler cow. There's other other groups on all farms and and young stock. We mentioned bull and heifers and things there as well. So young stock's obviously a very important part of every business. Um, is there anything we should be aware of with young stock at grass, Tim? Yeah, definitely. So we are. Um, we should be always be thinking about growth rates in in, in young stock, isn't it? That's what they are there to do, uh, and and we need to. Um, Ideally, be monitoring that as, as closely as we can, and, and seeing nice high growth rates as uh, as this as this grass eventually eventually comes through, and then and then just watching for the diseases that can that can undermine that. Um, in, in the young calves, the calves at foot, it, it's sort of I, I suppose coccidiosis becomes a, a concern around about now. Um, probably this dry weather is quite good for that, isn't? Coxie usually likes muddy, wet. Uh, wet conditions uh, and spreads worse then um, but again let's not be complacent and be watching closely for it so if, if we're seeing um, scour and straining and tails up and uh, calves not looking great then um, er- early contact with the vet and, and get the correct treatment and uh, definitely advised. Um, there's a there's a few um, diseases where we can get sudden deaths, unfortunately, in the young you know the young rapidly growing ones. So the clostridial diseases start coming in now. If 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 animals weren't vaccinated pre calving pre lambing, then there's the the young calves are definitely coming into that risk period as they're growing growing rapidly. Uh, so again, speaking to your vets about options for getting vaccines into uh, black leg vaccines and and clostridial vaccines into into calves. Um, and it's also the the peak year as as cattle go out to grass and calves are very very curious animals and they're into everything. It's the peak year for um, for poisonings as well, lead poisoning in particular. Um, always peaks just in the first few weeks and months after turnout. Um, and the, the common sources are unfortunately fly tipping batteries, you know, car batteries and electric fence batteries uh, contain an awful lot of lead uh, and, and young calves are, you know, incurious and licking and nosing away at them. And, and um, yeah, we see, we see some bad outbreaks with lead poisoning every year uh, at this time of year. So again, just to be watchful, if you're going into the park for the first time, it's, it's worth that five or 10 minutes just to walk the boundary and make sure there's nothing untoward in the sort of longer grass, you know, around the dike side, etc. Um, so probably a thing to get on and do fairly soon while there's no grass and you can see everything. Well, that's it. Yeah, you can see things, can't you? But it's it's always the bit. It's the it's the far back corner that. Um, so so the the typical history here would be that you you'll see calves either sudden death or with or with neurological signs. They'll often go blind, or you, you might find them down and seizuring. And of course, lead is is quite quickly suspected. And it's that point that we walk the dike side and, and find the, you know, the battery. Um, so, yeah, walk, walking along, around the field margins, uh, definitely worth that 10, 15 minutes to do it and uh, and prevent a problem if we can. It's certainly going to be, you know, that I'm not saying it's definitely going to be a bigger issue, but there's certainly more public access with COVID and lockdown and uh, I know at home we've certainly got an awful lot more tourists coming to us which is it's a blessing and a curse you know it's great to see people enjoying what we've got but also uh, a real challenge farming round about uh, people some people's stupidity so um, yeah probably the those issues you know they're, they're not going to get any easier this year I don't, I don't think and certainly this summer we're going to see hopefully we see some good weather and we see a lot of people out and about so a uh, being mindful of all these issues is obviously really important. Um, Absolutely, and well, listen, we need we need transparency, we need openness, and and people coming and and seeing what it is we do, 
in reality, you know, you can you can get an awful lot of misinformation online. I would far rather that they were walking around their, their parks and seeing, you know, good good looking stock out of grass. It's it's a great thing to have public access if we think of it from the marketing point of view. Um, it's a fantastic thing. Um, but yes, okay, it, it carries some it carries certainly some risks, um, and and they need to be borne in mind absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, Tim, we've spoken about this year's bullying, uh, and obviously we're trying to uh, maximise the number of cows we get in calf. The calves are made at bullying time, not at calving time. So, um, with that in mind, is there any particular groups we should be aware of, uh, the kind of high-risk groups for fertility? Yeah, there's there certainly are. So, the not the obvious ones because you know you still need to stop and think but certainly there's a few big groups uh, to think about late calving cows clearly have so much less time um to turn the uterus around and, and start cycling again and and still still have time to uh, to catch the bull um, before he's pulled out so late calving cows are always the always the problem um karen mentioned the first calving cow that's still growing um, certainly the, those coming in at two years old still growing and, and adapting to a very different uh, life than they've had up to that point uh, and, and of course they're challenging and, and then the, the sort of individuals within the herd that are struggling for one reason or another whether that's lameness or under condition through the winter or carried twins etc um, so, there, so there are things you know we, we, we could focus in on these groups um, and think about is there anything else we can do for them beyond looking after nutrition and uh, and certainly worth having conversations with your vets around synchronization programs for some of them um they're not universally successful so we need to be cautious not to go into them thinking of it as a silver bullet that just deals with a, a late calving cow issue it's, it's never as simple as that or as, or as neat and tidy as that but that said there are there are very good examples of where they have been quite successful in in tightening up a calving pattern or bringing a, a problem group back in line with where you want them to be to be calving down um so yeah there's 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 probably conversations to be had it costs nothing to think about it um to, uh, to to weigh up your options um and then yeah discuss that discuss that with 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 your vet uh, to see if there's something that could work for your sales I, I suppose my my concern would be that you know when we look at programs that fail this the same things hold true what what allows a cow to get quickly back in calf with the bull is the same things that help help them um respond positively to uh to a sync program so if they're under under nutrition underfed or thin you know the response rate is going to be as we would expect it to be lower so it's, it's not a golden a silver bullet but it, it can be a help yep i think as well that late calving cow there's a a mindset thing as well with the late calving cow that yes we want to drag her forward but we don't necessarily want to drag her forward at, at all costs you know there's getting her out the equation actually can have a dramatic improvement for fertility as well if she's a long-term offender and she's um you know she's always a uh, always late in the, in the system you know perhaps the option is to keep a few more heifers um bull a few more heifers and, and let her take her chances but certainly don't we don't want to get into that position where we're extending the bullying period to try and drag these ladies you know just to get her in calf there's, there's other ways of um, you know improving fertility and improve improving financial performance which is the most important thing uh, we're trying to do 
Absolutely, yeah. I think you're you're pleased with those ones on the day you scan them, aren't you? And then, and then you're thoroughly annoyed with them by this time of year when you're still looking at them in the shed, not calving. Um, so so yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's bang on. And listen, these are very big business decisions, and and we should be you know speaking to our consultants and really thinking about this. But the, the other option, of course, to tighten a calving pattern is to put the bulls out later. You know, is is can the other side of the bull move um, and give cows one week longer? Um, but that you know that clearly has implications on the business, wider implications on the business. But something to think about. It's not just about leaving them in longer. It's maybe about tightening up the other way. Um, again, just an, an option to think through. Yeah, and much easier to do that as well. But also the risk of you know spring calving this year, autumn calving next year, and you know you can. Well, yes, yeah. There's there's a <laughs> week and then there's two weeks and then there's yeah yeah, yeah. It, it can get. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the, I guess the other the other big thing we can focus on maybe not right now but certainly in in the next in the coming weeks is is just watching that bull once once he goes in um so we we want to see good bulling activity right off the bat and and sort of watching that first week and 10 days to make sure the bull is working is absolutely critical you know pick up on uh, on on problems as early as possible and then when we come around to it on that first round of repeats again watching very 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 the, the, watching the bull very closely to see how how active he is then, and of, and of course, hopefully we're seeing him we're seeing him slow down, still still getting the ones he has to, but not you know, but, but getting confident after the first round of repeats that the uh, that cows are settling, and have a plan. You know, bulls go wrong for lots of different reasons. What, what's our plan if that's if we're concerned? Then what? How are we going to react to it? Do we have another bull on standby, or do we know where we would go and source a bull? And have we thought through the the disease implications is there, is there a herd that we know we could get we could go to and, and and find a replacement at short notice you know just a little bit of forward thinking now as to well what happens if the bull's not working or we're seeing a whole load of repeats uh, at week four what, do, what are we going to do about that a wee bit of foresight now is, is is probably well worth it and hopefully we don't need it um but yeah this is the time to plan for it yeah. I think the thing now, it's so much easier that the record keeping end of things and record keeping is always a boring topic, but the monitoring, you know, getting a note of what cows have bulled, you know, what who's been, you know, what cows been, the bull been working with today, it can be as simple as just taking a photo, you know, of a, of a, of a particular cow and, you know, there's a, there's that. There's also, we can go more technical and, and go into a bulling detectors. I know Mucol and others have got good bulling detectors on the go and all these things can just give us a, a real early warning system that there's a, a problem with a bull. Because as you see, Tim, there's some bulls that will go wrong uh, very obviously and very dramatically, uh, you know, off their legs or, or, or whatever. Hopefully that, that you know, it's not too common, but it certainly does happen. But there's also those bulls that just go infertile or subfertile. And they're probably the most costly ones because we don't notice it straight away. Um, so those tools that we can use to try and um, record it, monitor it, are really invaluable when things don't go to plan. Yes, I, I t- totally agree. And 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 um, yeah, a lot a lot of effort. You know, you don't you don't need to watch them the whole season. We don't need every every heat written down. Um, but we just need to get a good idea that that first week he goes in, and then and then watch for that first round of repeats. And and if you can get it to that individual animal level where you know that okay, these are the seven, eight, ten cows that I want to watch in my first round of repeats. That that's you know that's a really that's a really helpful tool to have to have available just to give you that confidence that they're 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 settling. 
And if not, you move to your plan B, whatever that is. Yeah. And would you be a fan, Tim, of rotating bulls as well? If you've got a larger herd, would you rotate bulls within the bulling period or would you uh, you know, stick them with their, their own their own mob? Yeah, I think either can work. I, I'm I'm not a fan. <laughs> Try not to be a fan of any system if if I can sit in the fence. <laughs> it's a nice insurance policy against one subfertile bull uh, for definite, and and you do see, uh, you do see guys that are glad they have done that. Uh, um, but if if we're watching them closely enough, then then it's it's not necessary for everyone to do that. Um, we should we should be able to get a good idea of how the bulls are performing even without um, without rotating. Um, um, and if you are going to rotate them, what I would ask you to do is that you you keep a really careful note of which bulls are where and when, if at all possible. Um, if we end up with a poor scan, I hope we don't, but if we end up with a poor scan, having an accurate note of which bulls were with which cows and when can be so helpful in, un- in unpicking when there might have been a subfertile bull. You know, clearly taking them out of the system then for future years, um, and and just help helping us solve a, a poor fertility problem if if we have one. And uh, as opposed to to both, if we've got if we're in the fortunate position, we've had a good calving, uh, cows are fit. Is this the year to shave a few weeks off your calving period? Well, if, if, listen. If you're if you're chasing a tight calving, if that's part of your system, and, and in most seasonal systems it is, then I suppose I would take the the view that every year is a good year to shave a few days off your off your calving part. And it, it doesn't need to be three weeks this year and two weeks next. You know, it, it can be um, it can be more incremental than that. But yeah, it's always good just keep keep pressure on that calving pattern and try keep trying to tighten up. Um, you know, by by whatever whatever you can manage. Um. We talked about watching bull activity, and and that can give you so much confidence that things are going reasonably well. If we've got if we've got a, a good handle on what the bulls have been doing, and, and that first round of repeats, think about the early PD. What a what a tool to to be confident that that first four, five, six weeks of of bulling has gone well. So how quickly can we do that, Tim? Um, we can we can scan from twenty eight days. Um, so if you've got your ultrasound scanners, and some guys will go even marginally below that, um, but but certainly by the time the bull's been in um, for sort of you know nine nine weeks, we we should get a, a good idea of what the first few weeks have been, uh, and that can just give you the confidence you need to to to, to pull them out again at, uh, toward the end. Um, so it's it, you know it's, it doesn't suit everyone. It depends where they are and how easily can they be brought through a system and handled. But um, definitely worth thinking about. And there's no fear of an early PD, uh, you know, it doesn't risk the pregnancy or doesn't cause any major issues for cows holding on to a calf? No, no, uh, uh, def- definitely not. It's, 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 you know, especially with ultrasound now, it's, it's you know, it's, it's not it's not invasive. We we, we, we scan a, a lot of, of cattle regularly um, with, with very, very low risk to pregnancy. There's the handling to think about, you know, handling is stressful. Um, and, and of course, there's a health and safety aspect to bring in cows that are still with a bull uh, through your handling system. So we, you know, think about those elements. But if we can handle them quietly and handle them easily, then, then the risk from the, the actual ultrasound exam would be would be very, very low. And at that stage, could we also pick up twins? Uh, yeah, you can. You, you want to have them rechecked again later, so the the um, the early twins don't always carry through to being twins later on. Um, so you 
you know, you, you would put them down as a twinned risk, but if you scanned them really early at that 28-day mark, you'd want to get them a second scan uh, further on. Um, so your usual roundup scan once the bulls are out. Yeah, so the early scan doesn't mean that we're not scanning again at, at housing time, but no no you still need a you still need an answer for all you know because they're empty at an early scan she, you know you would still need you would still hope she's she's hold, held held a calf by the time by the time the bulls are out so yeah it's just a decision it's just an aid to deciding whether the bulls can be pulled that that little bit sharper than you did the year before cool excellent so hopefully um that's been useful for our listeners and i, I hope you know genuinely wish everybody all the best with their their uh, bullying period it's a really exciting time of year you know it's a, it's the start of the the whole cycle again and and hopefully things things go to plan and as i say hopefully it's been useful uh, a big thank you to tim and karen for giving up their time again uh, and thank you to everyone for listening as well <laughs>